Will wind one day power your home for free? Welcome to Tech First with John Goodseer. Wind power, we know it's been around for a long time. And obviously for commercial applications, there's some massive turbines out there with wings the size of literally 747s or even longer. For home, there's been a number of options, but durability has been a concern. And of course, along with the big ones, bird safety as well. We've actually seen more adoption from solar, put it on the roof, forget about it. But it doesn't work everywhere. I live in Canada near Vancouver, and we don't have sunshine that much in the winter sometimes. But now there's a solution for wind energy from an Icelandic company that looks pretty safe and looks affordable as well. To learn more, we're joined by Sam Gerbis. He's from Icewind Extreme Energy Solutions. Welcome. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Excellent. I want to get into your wind power generator, what it looks like, how it works, all that mm -hmm. stuff. But let's set the stage first. Uh, where does wind fit in the global energy system? So wind is actually a major player in grid energy here in the United States. It accounts for about 7.2% of America's total grid energy. And as of 2019, it was over 100,000 megawatt capacity. So it's quite a big player. There's a lot of applications nationwide. That is amazing. I did not know it was that big in the U.S. I know there's been some Scandinavian countries that have powered themselves on clean, green energy, almost 100% for periods of time. And wind has been a big part of that. But 7.2% in the U.S., mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a rounding error anymore. That's not a, you know, 0.3% or 2% anymore. Yeah. And various sources such as the American Wind Energy Association estimate that by 2030, around 20% of the nation's grid infrastructure can be powered by wind energy. Wonderful. And this includes kind of up and coming offshore wind farms as well. So there's a lot of really exciting innovations here in the wind industry. Wow. Interesting. What are the best uses? I mean, we talked about home a little bit. We talked about commercial applications with very large turbines and stuff like that. Where do you see the best applications? So I think wind really varies kind of in terms of large and small scale applications for providing nationwide grid infrastructure. You know, you want those large megawatt wind farms, those big windmills you see, the, the 110 diameter blades. For more small scale wind, that is kind of a, an industry that we at Icewind want to tackle for on and off grid use to, you know, power your home, power your cabin our various commercial and residential sectors. That's quite a developing industry right now. Currently, uh, mm -hmm. the vast majority of wind capacity, you know, is are those large farms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Contextualize a little bit. So there's a variety of sources for clean green energy, right? Mm -hmm. Wind's one of them, solar's another, uh, which is growing as well. Geothermal, perhaps a few other wave is always kind of in and around there, right? All that other stuff. Contextualize them a little bit in terms of size and also growth rate. Yeah. So as I said, wind is one of the, the fastest growing renewable energy sources. And it really depends on where you are for kind of what renewable source is going to you know work for you in your region. For example, you said you're in Vancouver. Well, in Arizona, you're probably not going to want a wind farm. You're probably going to want more of a, you know, a solar array. And in a windy, cloudy environment, you're going to want wind turbines and not more of a solar array. And yes. then, you know, like our company in Icewind that has plenty of geothermal capability, that's what you utilize there. So yeah. various regions, you know, it, it, it depends on where you are and what kind of renewable energy source you want to use. And I think that's the most beautiful part because uh, any region, no matter where you are, has some sort of ability to utilize a renewable energy source. And I think the growth rate, especially for wind and solar, is huge in this nation. 
And the actual really interesting thing is, I mean, that's where a grid comes in. We talked a little bit of in the intro or before the intro about decentralizing our grid and other things like that. And we'll get into that and how your solution works for that. But that's one of the nice things about having a grid is you, you've got solar in Arizona, you've got wind in, I don't know, give me a windy spot in the US or in Canada or something like that. And you can push power where you need it, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's talk about your solution. We talked about the big turbine, the big windmill blades. Yours is a very different design. It's like uh, six or seven blades. It, I don't even know if you can show it right now. We can share your screen if you have something that you can bring up, but it's, it's a very cool, innovative design. Where'd that come from? Well, so if you're uh, listening to the podcast live right now, you can head over to icewindusa.com and kind of see what we're talking about. But what we have designed over at Icewind is actually a vertical axis wind turbine. The large farms you see, those are called horizontal axis turbines. The large difference is those big turbines, when wind comes from different directions, you either need to use a gearbox to change those blades to face that wind direction or stop them and change it. Vertical axis wind turbines are omnidirectional. We can take wind from any direction. Wow. And what really sets Icewind and what we're doing apart from any other commercial wind turbine, small scale vertical axis wind turbine that's been made is we have a very unique combination of blades. Like you said, uh, you know, we have a, a large number of blades. We actually have six. We have a set of inner blades that provides low startup speeds and kind of self speed regulation. So our turbines don't go into overspin. Our mm -hmm. outer blades are made of aircraft grade aluminum. And they are an airfoil design, a Darius type of blade. And what these do is these provide lift. So when the turbine gets up and spinning, these lift properties gets the turbine spinning more and more greater RPMs and thus greater power generation. Interesting. Interesting. And what's the durability here? I mean, uh, we've seen some of the videos of those massive, you know, 747 style blades mm -hmm. disintegrating when the wind got too much or something like that. What's the scenario here? Well, that is a classic problem of overspin. Because we designed our turbines to function in Iceland, we had to design for extreme conditions. So through our material selection and, and safety procedures, we have designed our turbines to withstand more than 130 mile per hour winds. Wow. So hurricane winds, we have implemented seals and various procedures to protect the gearbox from icing and particles and rain and you know anything you don't want to get in that gearbox and to slow you down or to ruin your turbine so durability was one of the biggest kind of factors we wanted to engineer into our wind turbines in fact our freya design our commercial wind turbine we're talking about today has a lifespan of 30 years with negligible maintenance Interesting. Very, very cool. Talk about the safety. Obviously, when you've got a big spinning blade somewhere, you may not want to stick that on your roof where you know, if you have an accident, it flies off, goes in your backyard and, you know, you're all of a sudden missing an arm or something like that. I'm not saying that that is a common scenario, but it's something you would think about, right? I mean, if you right. need to get on your roof to do some maintenance or you're around your house and you have a big spinning blade, is this a safer thing? But also, is it better for birds? Yes. So the, the problem that arises with wind turbines and birds are actually two things, whipper blades and lattice towers. And these are the, the two factors that go into bird safety and are what usually you think of when you hear wind turbines and destroying birds. Whipper blades are like six plus multi blades, but quite sharp that are available on a lot of commercial horizontal axis wind turbines. And those as well as kind of those lattice structures I just spoke of are most detrimental for, to birds. Now, mm -hmm. what you said, yes, just like any wind turbine, you don't want to go stick your hand in there. <laughs> that is not going to go well with any wind turbine. It, you're probably going to break an arm or lose an arm. But 
our wind turbines are completely safe in terms of local wildlife, as well as operate under 30 decibels of noise level. So they're essentially silent. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's another question, right? How noisy are they? I know that that came up sometimes when there was wind farms that were going to put in an area and is it super noisy or not? So let's talk about what uh, the output is and can you power your house off of this? How many would you need? All those sorts of things. So we have various models in production right now. Currently, we are rolling out with our commercial turbine, the Freya, which we also have a larger scale model coming down the road. Now, this model uses a generator that is generally capable of about 150 to 200 watts at about 11 meters per second wind speed with uh, greater capability at greater speeds. Later on down the road, we have a model that is capable of seven to 12 times that power output. And then in our residential series, we have models that are capable of greater than 500 watts and greater than a kilowatt and achieve much greater power than that. Now, the purpose of our wind turbines isn't necessarily to power, you know, a home. If you want to do that, we recommend uh, models in conjunction with solar or other energy sources, kind of a, a hybrid method. But if you have like a a small cabin or a small property or various off-grid locations or even on-grid to reduce your meter costs, that is where our turbines are applicable. As of now, our smallest model is more of a supplementary power source and not a dominant source. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You could stack a couple of them if you had enough room or something. Yes, you You could, certainly. Two of them on the roof or somewhere else around the property and get more power out of it. I mean, that's kind of a dream of mine really is to build my own house someday and put some solar in, some wind in Mm -hmm. and connect to the grid, sell extra excess power back to the grid, get it when I need it, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure many people think about that as well. Talk about the cost of the wind turbine that that you're releasing now for Mm -hmm. for home use and what's the payback period? Is there a payback period? How, How long does it take till you paid yourself back for that? That is some, the payback period is something we're still calculating because we've made improvements on the design. So we're doing further testing and viability. But, you know, with most renewable energy sources, you can expect the payback period to be between, you know, maybe five years to 10 years if you're looking at a serious solution. But l- like you said, a building your home, when you pair a wind energy source with something like a solar source, as well as perhaps batteries for off-grid use, charging technologies, that's when you're really starting to make a massive dent in your electricity costs and then really starting to, you know, access a much quicker payback period. Interesting. Talk a little bit about the power grid, the electrical grid of the future, right? Mm-hmm. What's that look like when you cast your mind out, I don't know, five years, 10 years, maybe even a little longer. Do you see something that's eventually getting much more decentralized where generation is not just in uh, one place for a region, but generation is spread throughout pretty much all the homes. And then the grid is more about sharing the electricity and where it needs to go versus delivering it. I personally believe we're going to see a lot of change and a lot of innovation in the electricity grid of the future. Uh, I'm very hopeful about it in terms of renewable energy sources as well. I like to look at a country like Icewind that is pretty much completely carbon neutral and powered off of geothermal power and, and various other sources. We are seeing more and more homes and buildings and various places starting to use backup diesel generators for supplementary power sources. And we hope through products like our uh, wind turbines and other renewable energy sources to make it accessible to, you know, not only utilize renewable energy as a supplementary source, but use it to completely power your home. So I think moving forward, we're going to have a great, great energy grid powered from renewable energy sources like growing wind, offshore wind and so forth. But I also think there's going to be a much greater 
possibility to power your home off grid, you know, with evolving battery storage technology and all these sure. innovations in renewable energy, it's going to be so much easier than it is today to completely function off grid or in a small community. Yeah. Yeah. What's that look like to somebody who, you know, is thinking about starting that and, and whether it's completely off grid or they just want to supplement or something like that, what do they need to put together? Let's say they get a wind turbine, maybe some mm -hmm. solar, I guess they need a battery. What's that look yeah. like to put together? So if you want to pursue an on-grid solution, you know, just like you need for solar, you need a, a grid tie inverter, which takes the, the renewable energy source and kind of injects it into the grid or so forth. And then for off-grid solutions, you can get various uh, chargers or charge controllers to uh, whether you want to tie it directly into what you're powering or to charge a, a series of batteries or so forth, you can do that as well. So our wind turbines, especially, we like to we engineered them for simplicity. So if you had, you know, a few torque wrenches and so forth, you could assemble one of these like you do in a piece of Ikea furniture. We like to make them that simple and that smart, but you know, we want professionally installed and assembled. And then we would, you use something like a local electrician or something to tie that into your grid or for off-grid use. Yeah, It's quite yeah. simple. Interesting. And of course, I guess we need some regulatory uh, movement as well, because it's not always super simple in every uh, jurisdiction, certainly in Canada, I believe in the States as well, in terms of, you know, how to tie into a grid, how to send power back on the grid, what they pay you for that power, or if they pay you for that power, uh, how's that evolving? So there are much more initiatives to encourage people to utilize renewable energy sources and to kind of, you know, take your electricity meter down and as well as give some money back. Who knows what we'll see here in the near future. There are some presidential candidates running in this November who are proposing different climate plans to utilize more renewable energy sources and, you know, encouraging everything from large scale enterprises to small scale renewable usage. So seeing stuff like that and how it's going to affect kind of your on-grid meter money back is going to be really exciting to see. I think it's a very dynamic and evolving future. Yeah. And I mean, also, if you live in California and the the kind of power issues that they've had recently with the wildfires yeah. uh, sparking and then power just being shut down. I mean, it's almost, especially we're working at home right now through COVID-19. If you're a knowledge worker, you're using your laptop, your internet, all that stuff, and your power goes out, you're toast. It might almost be a necessity to have some sort of backup capacity. Let's not forget all those homes in places like Texas that are continually hit with hurricanes, that even the flooding and the weather destroys their diesel generators. Yeah. But yeah. we're built to withstand that, certainly. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Uh, it's been a fun chat and um, wish you the best. Yeah. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate your time. Excellent. Well, thank you for being along with us on Tech First. My name, of course, is John Gutierrez. Appreciate you being along. Whatever platform you're on, hey, like, subscribe, share, comment, all the above. If you're on the podcast later and you enjoy it, please rate it and review it. Thank you so much. And have a great day.